Good morning, everybody. I'll let you guys get settled in and find your seat. We will get started. As, uh, as Alan and Steve have both said, I just want to welcome everyone this morning and say a very happy new year to you all. I want to just echo that sentiment. Um, yeah, the weather's been crazy. So welcome to, welcome to winter. It's here finally. So we had a uh, very hot and humid Christmas and New Year's, and now here we are jumping into snow. So that's, that's the way it is. It do be that way sometimes, right? So, all right. So um, my name is Jasper. I'm the executive pastor here at New Life Community Church. Uh, again, just want to say welcome. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, today, we are going to be uh, moving through a, a topic and some, some things that I love to talk about. It's a new year, and so it's good to talk about these things. I do want to kind of give you a bit of a warning. I'm going to move fast. Uh, you guys have uh, some stuff in your bulletin today, some fill-in-the-blank stuff. It's a little different than normal, so I encourage you to take notes, write things down as we go, and we're going to move a little quick, okay? So um, that being said, let me pray for us one more time before we jump in and we will get started, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you this morning, God, and we bow before you. Lord, we acknowledge now that we are nothing without you. And so, God, we, we ask that you be with us in this place, that you pour out your presence on us here today. We pray that you would speak to us through your word. We pray that as we talk through and look through some of these things, God, that you just open our minds and our hearts, that you encourage us, that you fill us with your presence. We pray that as we do these things, we give you honor and glory. We pray that as we talk through these things, Lord, that we grow in our love and devotion to you and that they help us to walk closer to you every day. So, Lord, please be with us in this place. Speak to us now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, as we've talked about, uh, it's a new year. Um, new year, just like Steve just talked about, comes with what? Resolutions, right? New Year's resolutions. Everybody makes goals and things that they want to change for the upcoming year or things that they want to improve on or whatever. It's just a, it's a natural time to look back on the previous year, to kind of do a recap, to say, okay, how did this last year go? What were the highs and the lows of the year? And then we look forward and we say, what are some things I want to do different in the upcoming year? What are some goals or some resolutions? It's just a natural time to reflect on these things. There are different things in life that, that come up and happen like this that make us do this. You know, going to a funeral, uh, having to deal with that makes us reflect on life. And so this is just one of those natural times when it's, it's okay to think on these things. And so I want to talk about that a bit today. Now, when we begin to think through the upcoming year and look back, we always have a tendency to focus on the physical, right? The, the external earthly things. We think about as far as resolutions go, wanna, what's the number one New Year's resolution? Lose weight. I want to lose weight. I want to get the new job. I want to get a raise. Maybe I want to buy the house or finish that project I've been working on at the house. There's all these things, these goals that we set, but we very rarely take the time to stop and evaluate our spiritual well-being and our spiritual health. We rarely set goals for ourselves as far as that's concerned. 
If we do, it usually looks like, well, you know what? I'm finally going to read my Bible this year. And then, like Steve said, we get about into January, February when we start getting into, as Kyle mentioned, like numbers and some of that. And then it just tanks. You know, that's about as far as we get. But I want you to, to listen to what Scripture says about this. In Colossians 3, 1 through 2, it says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Then again, listen to what Matthew 6, 33 says. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be provided to you. And he had been talking about food and clothing in that text. So he's saying, don't worry about that stuff. Seek God. Seek the kingdom of God first. All that stuff will take care of itself. And then once again in 1 Timothy chapter 4, we read, Train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but, the, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You see, the reality is life is short. Amen? Life is short. We have been reminded of that recently in our community. We never know when life is going to end. Psalm 90 says, The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. James 4.14 says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And not only are our days here on this earth short, but we live in evil, wicked times. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And so life is short. The days are evil. We're supposed to be focused on the spiritual things, not just earthly things. So when considering passages like Ephesians 5 that says to look carefully how you walk, when we're looking at this, when we're thinking about how we walk and how we live our lives, and we're considering how to make the best use of the time, we have to remember that we have a purpose and we have a mission as born-again believers on this earth. We have to ask, am I fulfilling that purpose? Am I pursuing that mission? What am I doing to work toward that? And we can't know if we're doing this well if we don't even know what that purpose and that mission is, right? We need to know what our purpose in life is, what our mission is on this earth while we're here. So what is our purpose? What is our mission? What is the meaning of life on this earth? Well, theologians, pastors, the early church fathers have all tried to put the answer into words in different various forms. And I want to read a few of those to you now. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, the very first question, a catechism, many of you know this from uh, our kids' classes, a catechism was a, a classic way to teach children the basic tenets of the faith, all right? So it was, it was the, almost like nursery rhymes, but it was question and answer. So they would ask a basic question and answer it according to Scripture, and in this catechism, the very first question is what is the chief end of man, or what is the chief purpose of man? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is the, the purpose of mankind. That's the meaning of life. Ecclesiastes 12.13 says to fear God and keep His commandments for 
this is the whole duty of man. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice or to, to do the right thing, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And then in Matthew 28, of course, we have the Great Commission that Jesus Himself gave us to go and make disciples of all nations. Jonathan Edwards, who was a great pastor theologian in the 1700s, he helped spark the Great Awakening, arguably the greatest theologian ever to live in America, wrote what he called his resolutions from 1722 to 1723. Now, this was 70 different resolutions, different things that he resolved to do in his life. And he was only 18 when he wrote this. Now, this is, you can look this up online. You can print it out in a PDF format. I highly encourage you to do that and read through those this year. These are great things for all of us to be working toward as Christians. But I want to read you how he opens this up in his resolutions. Just the preface before he ever even begins with his first resolution, he says this, being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions as far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. So Jonathan Edwards acknowledged that right out of the gate, I cannot do this apart from God enabling me to. I can't do this apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. And I only want to do it if it's going to align with God's will and bring glory and honor to Christ. That's what he said right before he ever even started his resolutions. And then once he jumped in, I want to read to you the first two that he wrote. Now, I don't know if any of you guys remember this from, from pop culture back in the early 2000s. There was a movie that came out called Fight Club. Awful movie. Don't watch it. But there was a line in that movie that everybody knows. The first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club. They stole that from Jonathan Edwards. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it. Jonathan Edwards in his first resolution says this, first resolution, that I will do that which I think to be most for God's glory and my own spiritual profit all of my days, to do whatever I think to be my spiritual responsibility and most for the good of humanity. I will do this regardless of whatever difficulties might arise. In other words, I'm going to do whatever I can to bring God glory, to grow spiritually, and to love people and help people, no matter how difficult and inconvenient it might be. Now, listen to his second resolution. I also resolve to endeavor continually to discover things that will help me promote the first resolution. <laughs> so he's saying, this is my goal in life. Glorify God, grow spiritually, love others. My second resolution, figure out ways to be doing that. And so even Jonathan Edwards recognized the need to be growing spiritually, and glorifying God in all that we do. Our whole purpose in life is to glorify God in everything we do. The way that we love our spouse, the way our marriage goes, can glorify God. The way we raise our children can be done in a way that glorifies God. The way we conduct ourselves at work and the way we work, how we work, can glorify God even down to the way we eat and drink, can glorify God. Now, just like anything God creates for good, man can take these things and twist them and abuse them and do them in a way that doesn't glorify God. That's the very definition of abuse, is to take something that was intended for one purpose and use it for another purpose. 
So just like food and drink, that can be used in a way that does not glorify God. But we are called as believers to bring honor and glory to God in everything, everything we do, every corner of our life is meant to glorify God. So how do we do this? Well, at New Life Community Church, we've tried to define it this way in our mission statement. It's the first thing you see when you walk in the door. It's painted on the wall real big so that we all know why we're here, what we exist for. This is in your worship guides, and I invite you to fill in the blanks as we go through. I also invite you all to learn this by heart and to live by it. We exist to glorify God. Let's just stop right there. So far, so good, right? We exist as a church to glorify God. That's the chief goal. That's the the ultimate purpose. Now, how do we do that? How do we glorify God as a church? By making disciples. Great. Okay. Lining up with the Great Commission. Everything's going good so far. But what kind of disciples are we trying to make here? Are we making disciples of Kyle Jones or Jasper Jack? Are we making disciples of the Arkansas Razorbacks or the LSU Tigers or the Mule Riders? No. We are here to make disciples who are growing in their faith in Jesus and their love for one another. That's the kind of disciples we want to make. That's the kind of people we want to be here at New Life Community Church. These are the distinguishing marks of who we want to be. People growing in our love for the Lord and growing in our love for one another. And I say growing because we recognize that we will never be perfect at this. This is an ongoing process that we are growing in. It's called sanctification, okay? So over the next two weeks, we are going to do a two-part mini-series on how we can do this as a people and as a church. How can we be growing in our faith in Jesus and our love for one another? So that as we go into a new year, We can do it with a renewed purpose, a renewed vision of what we're trying to do as a church and as a people, and with a revived passion for the Lord. Okay, so that's what we're going to be doing the next two weeks. We're going to be looking through this. Today, we are going to look at and focus on how we can be growing in our faith in Jesus. What are two primary ways we can be growing in our faith in Jesus? So as we get ready to jump into this, I want to give you a little disclaimer. The things we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks have a name. These are also known as spiritual disciplines, okay? You can write that down if you want to. Spiritual disciplines or means of grace is another way to put it. Habits of grace, spiritual habits. Kyle, last week in his sermon, mentioned streams of grace, channels of grace, whatever you want, however you want to word it. They are called this because they're called spiritual disciplines because they require discipline. These things don't just come naturally. They're not easy. They they take work and dedication. We have to commit to do these things. They're called the means or streams of grace because they are God's chosen means by which He sanctifies us as a people. These are the ways that God pours out His grace upon us in our lives through these means. So that's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. Now, apart from these very basic fundamental things that we are going to talk about, we cannot grow as Christians. We cannot grow in our faith or in our love for people if we aren't practicing these things. So they are that important. These are beginner Christian things, very, very basics that we should all be doing 
as believers. These are not optional. So how can we grow in our faith? What are these spiritual disciplines? Okay, let's jump right in. The very first way that we can grow in our faith in Jesus is through the Word. Through the Word. The Holy Scriptures, the Bible, God's Word. The traditional Orthodox Christian view throughout history has been that God's Word is inspired, inerrant, and infallible. It's inspired because God wrote it through men. He used men to pen the words, but they were His words. He inspired it. It's inerrant because it is without mistake. And it is infallible because it is incapable of failing. Isaiah 55 says that His word will not return void. It accomplishes what He seeks for it to accomplish. So we have here the very words of God. This is God's Word to us. This is God's way of talking to us. It is alive and active according to Hebrews 4.12. We do not need a new sign or a new revelation or new prophecy. We have everything we need right here in the canon of Scripture that God has spoken to us once and for all. This book and what's contained in it is all sufficient for all of life. We don't need anything new. We have what we need right here. One of my very favorite illustrations of this, I don't know if any of you have ever seen it, there's a cartoon, uh, just like a comic strip. It's, it's just two little frames, and it's a man down on his knees praying, saying, God, please speak to me. And then the very next frame, it's God's arm sticking down through there, handing him a Bible. And it just puts it into perspective for me that for so long, I used to just pray to God to speak to me or make me feel something or something. And, and I think what I was trying to do is just say that I want to experience more of the Holy Spirit. What I didn't realize is that I wasn't spending time in God's Word. See, He has spoke to me, and I wasn't listening. I wasn't in this. I wasn't seeking to hear what He had to say. I wanted Him to do it some other way. Spurgeon said it very well when he said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Because this is God's Word, it is our ultimate authority in all of life. Commentaries, study notes and study Bibles, podcasts, other books are great. They are great ways to grow in our knowledge of what Scripture teaches, but they do not take the place of the Scriptures. They are only beneficial to us so far as they help us better understand what this book says. And if they aren't pointing us back to Scripture, they're useless. They cannot and should not take the place of God's holy word. So because the Bible is the actual words of God, it is the primary means by which we are sanctified. It is the main way God grows us, is through hearing His word preached, studying His word, hearing it teached. This right here is the primary way we grow as Christians. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them in, your, in the truth. Your word is truth. So we are sanctified by the truth. God's word is the truth. So we are sanctified through God's word. It is through the regular intake of Scripture that we grow, and we are sanctified as a people. Through it, we are made complete. We are equipped as Christians. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, 
reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. David Mathis, in his book, Habits of Grace, which is on this very topic, it's a fantastic book, I highly recommend it. He says this, the fundamental means of God's ongoing grace through His Spirit in the life of the Christian and in the life of the church is God's self-expression in His Word in the Gospel. By His Word, He reveals Himself and expresses His heart to us. So because the Bible is God's words written to us, it is the primary way we grow. And it goes without saying that we should be in this thing as much as we possibly can. We can't read it too much. This is our food, our spiritual food as Christians. Matthew 4.4 talks about this. Donald Whitney, in his book, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life, says there's no such thing as a healthy Christian apart from the steady diet of the milk and the meat of Scripture. So we have to be, have to be feeding ourselves with God's Word daily, constantly, as much as we can. So let's talk about some practical application here. How can we, what are some tools we can use in our tool belt to help us in this? Well, firstly, the blindfolded point is not the best way to study your Bible. You don't do that. that that's not the way to study your Bible because what will happen is you will find a text and you will read it out of context. Okay, it's better to work your way through books, work your way through sections where you're getting the full context. Secondly, as mentioned, do not just read all the supplemental helps. So daily devotionals are great. That shouldn't be the only means of Bible intake because what you're going to get is one passage and then a man's thoughts on that passage. That's great, but that doesn't need to be the only way you read your Bible commentaries and other books don't need to be the only exposure to Scripture you get. You need to be in this Word and letting it speak for itself. So let's talk about the right way to study our Bibles. What's, what's some good practice in Bible study? Well, first, do it daily. Okay, if you're taking notes, write this down. Do it daily. Secondly, do pick a time and a place that is as distraction-free as it can possibly be. And this is going to be different for everybody. For me, it is early in the morning. I like to get up early, set my alarm 30 minutes early, get up and read my Bible then. Now, I don't roll out of bed with pajamas on and go sit down and try to read it. I don't do that. I get up, take a shower, get dressed, get some coffee in me. I sit down and I study before I ever do anything else. For some of you, this is impossible, and I understand that. Some of you, it's going to be late at night. For some of you, it might have to be on a lunch break. Some of you, it might be in the car on your way to take the kids to school. You're listening to an audio Bible, maybe. The point is, find a time and a place that you can get the Word in your ears and be as distraction-free as possible. Now, again, I know seasons of life are going to vary for people. but So some good ways, number three, is some good ways to read Scripture. You do want to be reading Scripture. Again, not just books and, and supplemental stuff. Some good sources are a Bible reading plan. We just put a new one on the website. If you need a good Bible reading plan, check out our website. We have one there. You can also pick up the one-year Bibles that work your way through the entire Bible in a year. You can pick up a chronological Bible. And then also in biblical manhood and womanhood, we've 
utilized what are called scripture journals before. These are just little booklets that have scripture on one side and it's blank on the other. This is a great tool to write down notes as you work your way through to be able to ask questions and go back and look at that later. And they come in really handy for using this next point, number four, is using a method to study your Bible. So again, we don't want to just open and point and just read and that just be it. We need some basic tools on how do I read this? What am I supposed to be doing as I read this? Well, there's several different kinds. Most of them are all utilizing what's called observation, interpretation, and application. You're going to observe what the text says, look at the grammar, what are words you don't understand, what are repeated words, things like that. You're going to interpret it, what's being said here, and then you're going to apply it. So some different ones. There's one called ransom. Stands for read, ask, note, summarize, obey, and meditate. These are pretty self-explanatory, but it's just different things to be thinking through as you're studying that scripture. And you can write that out on the blank piece of paper as you do it. A second one is the ABCD method. We've used this in Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. It stands for analysis, basic, commitment, and difficulties. You're going to analyze the text, get the basic point, commit to how you can do it, and write down difficulties you might have or things you don't understand. Really basic stuff, but good things to do as we think through a passage of Scripture. Now, I know I can hear, I can just hear the thoughts. I know a lot of people say, I just do not have the time to study my Bible. It's impossible. This season of life is just too crazy. There's no way that's going to happen. Well, if we're being real with ourselves, our phones have a thing called screen time. You can go in there and click that and see exactly how much free time you have in a day. You can get in there and see how much time you spend on various things, okay? Whether it be social media or checking emails or whatever. And look, I'm not even going to say, I'm not guilt tripping you here. Like, I get it. Some of that's just entertainment and it's fun. But go in there and figure out your top two or three that you spend the most time on and just take five minutes away from each. Even if you don't completely give up Facebook, just take an extra 10 minutes away from it. And the cool thing is you can set limits now. You can go in and set limits on those apps to where you will not be able to access it more than 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, or whatever. I was at a restaurant this past week, and I, was, I overheard a conversation at the table beside me. It was a group, now I will say it was a group of teenagers, so I get it, you know, it's a little different. But they were talking about their screen time. And I heard them, one girl said, I am, I am right now at nine hours a day on my phone. And the other one said six hours a day. And I get it. I know, you know, it's, they're not adults yet, and, and I get that. But even us adults spend too much time on our phones, all right? And so the point I'm trying to make, I don't want to be pharisaical about Facebook or phones or any of that. I'm just saying we make time for the things that matter, okay? We make time for it. And so make some sacrifices, Maybe it is going to be a little difficult at first, but make the time and carve out time for it. If you read your Bible 12 minutes a day, 12 minutes a day, you can read the whole Bible in a year. That's a bathroom break for most of us, okay? If you read your Bible 25 minutes a day, you can read the whole thing in six months. It doesn't take that long. I think we can carve out that much time in a day for the Lord, amen? Let's study the Word. Let's get in it. There's no excuse. Again, not trying to be pharisaical, but as Kyle talked about last year, 
our, or last year, last week, sorry, it was last year actually, <laughs> didn't mean to do that, but there we go. Our union with God and with Christ is not dependent on our communion with Him. We are justified once and for all upon placing our faith in Christ. But guess what? Our sanctification does depend on these things. We need to be growing in our faith. This is a progressive thing that happens throughout our lives. We need to commit to be in the Word of God, to study it and to make it a love of ours. And once you do, like Steve talked about, once you begin to carve out this time, study God's Word regularly, it becomes a part of your day that you just don't feel whole if you don't do it. So spend time in God's Word. The second way that we grow in our faith is through prayer. It's through prayer. So if the Bible is God's way of speaking to us, prayer is our way of speaking to God. Now, it wasn't always this way. In the Old Testament, we read about the temple and the way it was constructed. They had the Ark of the Covenant, which God's presence was there all the time. And so when they built the temple, they built these different levels and, and rooms in it. And there was this place in there called the Holy of Holies, where the ark dwelt. That's where the presence of God stayed. And it was divided by these big, huge, thick curtains. Now, only the high priests could go into the Holy of Holies. They would go in once a year and make atonement for the people's sins. They would offer sacrifices. But the common people had to stay out in the outer courtyards and things like that. When Christ was crucified, that veil, that curtain was torn. And for the longest time, I didn't understand the significance of that. But what that means is that there is no longer any divider or barrier between us and the presence of God. As New Testament born-again believers, we have God's presence living here now. We have the Helper, the Holy Spirit living inside us, and we have open communion with God through His Word and through prayer. Jesus is now the once and for all ultimate high priest who sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. We can now take our petitions directly to God. We don't have to go through a high priest who's going to go behind a curtain into the Holy of Holies and offer a sacrifice. That's been taken care of. Jesus handled that. He is now the ultimate high priest. So this has huge implications for us as far as prayer and talking to God. This is the way that we now can daily, can, can every hour, every minute be confessing and repenting and communicating with the Lord, with God himself, with Jesus as our high priest. So this being the case, it, prayer is a, a great treasure for us as believers. It is a phenomenal tool that has not always been available the way it is now. So our relationship with God is just that. It is a relationship, okay? He talks to us, we talk to Him, we grow in that relationship. If the only time I ever talked to my wife Sherry was on Sunday mornings, I said, okay, I'm going to get dressed up in my best duds, I'm going to drive to this building across town, and then I'll listen to what you have to say for a few minutes, and I'll talk maybe for a minute or two, maybe 30 seconds to you, and that's it. One day a week for like one hour on Sunday mornings. That is not going to be much of a relationship, right? It's not going to last long at all. Likewise, our relationship with God needs to be ongoing. Prayer needs to be an attitude and a, and a, a lifestyle. It's not just a checklist thing that we pray before we go to bed and before we eat a meal. Like, 
This is our way of talking to the creator of the universe. We need to be listening to him, soaking this in as much as we can, trying to understand the riches of it and the depths of it. And we need to be talking to God. We need to be bearing our hearts to him, crying out to him. This isn't just a Sunday morning thing, and it's not just a public formal thing that has to sound a certain way. Scripture is full of commands to continue steadfastly in prayer, to pray without ceasing, to rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for us that we be constantly praying to God. So, Again, I can, I can hear the thoughts. Like, I'm not good at praying. I've heard that before. I'm not any good at prayer. Well, you might not be good at public prayer, but the only way to be bad at prayer is to neglect it. You're literally just talking, you're just talking to God. Like, public prayer is different. I get it. Some people have stage fright, and that's a thing, and, you know, all that. But, but just praying to God is not something you can be bad at. Romans 8.26 says, because we don't know what to pray for as we should, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So even when you don't know what to say, or maybe you can't think of the words to express what you're feeling in here, you don't have to. You can just, you can you just talk to God. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. The point is to be in communion with Him, in fellowship with Him, as Kyle talked about last year. We will never feel comfortable praying if we don't start somewhere and practice and make this a part of our daily lives. So we have to start. So some basic application for prayer. What are some things we can do, ways we can grow in this, okay? Uh, A great tool for prayer is to pray the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, okay? Adoration, which is just us adoring God. We're praising God, Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. Uh, we're, we're, we're praising the Lord. Confession is the C in that. We're going to confess our sins to the Lord. We're going to bear our souls to Him. The T is thanksgiving. That's pretty obvious. And then the S is supplication. A supplication is just us petitioning the Lord or asking the Lord for something. Now, I want to make, I want to make a, a side note on this. We've talked about this multiple times. We know that that God is not a genie, okay? This is not the part of the prayer where you start asking for a new Ferrari and all of those things. This is the part of your prayer life where you can go to the Lord and cry out for the souls of your coworkers and your family members. You can ask God to grow me in my faith. Help me to understand your word better. You can pray scripture to God. This is a place where we we come and we humbly ask the Lord to provide daily what we need. James 4.3 says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So again, this is not the place to share our Christmas list. This is the place to go and petition the Lord for the souls of our brothers and sisters around us and to ask Him to grow us in our faith. Now, some good helps in this, ways and tools we can utilize to help us in our prayer life. There are some really great apps out there. One that I know I've used and I know Kyle uses is called Prayer Mate. It's a great app that you can go in and have categories for different things. Uh, You can even bring in different little Bible readings and stuff into that. It's just a great way to compartmentalize your prayer life if you want to do that. Another great resource, an old resource, 
is a book called The Valley of Vision. This is a, a book of different prayers written by the Puritans. And it is beautiful the way they word some of this. And it's broken into different categories for different things in life. Nothing wrong with incorporating some of that into your prayer life. And then the best thing for me is just to set reminders on my phone. Three times a day, 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 3 o'clock, I'm going to get a reminder to pray. And that doesn't have to, to look a specific way. That can be driving down the road, I just pray. It can be super short. Uh, sometimes I might get down on my knees in my office and pray. I and mean, That can look like a lot of different things, but the point is to pray. Be in prayer. A people marked by it. So, all the things we've talked about today, Bible study, prayer, it's all meant to be ways that we are fellowshipping with God. That's the whole point. It's time with the Lord to grow in our faith in the Lord, to grow in our love and our affection for the Lord, to be a people marked by that. The, the point is not just to do these things. These things are just a means to an end. They're not the end. So yes, they're good and we need to utilize them. We, we can't be sanctified apart from these things, but let's not become too legalistic and pharisaical about it. I'll say this too. Did any of you, you ever feel distant from God at times? Like God just feels far off. Maybe you pray and you feel like it just hits the ceiling. Like you just, you're not feeling it. I know I have felt that way before. And usually when I feel this way, when I feel distant from God or feel like God is silent for some reason, it's because I'm not listening to God. I'm not in the Word, not reading the way I should. And I'm not talking to God. I'm not praying. Nine times out of ten, that's the case. I, I'm not communing with God the way I need to be. And that's why these things are so important for us. This is how we grow in our faith in the Lord. So I want to encourage you in that. I want to encourage you that these, these are just tools for us to grow in our love for the Lord, to grow closer to God. There is no fellowship with God apart from being in His Word and praying. Now we are gonna, we're going to stop here Next week, we're going to pick up and talk about some more of these spiritual disciplines and how we can be growing in our love for others. So we're going to stop there for now. But I do have a couple of things I want to say as we get ready to close out here. As we begin a new year, and, and we do this thing where we kind of take inventory of our lives and, and we look at the next year and how, what, what we want to become, I want you to please consider the spiritual as those passages I read in the beginning talk about. Don't just focus on earthly things. Consider the spiritual, okay? Um, Alan, if, if you guys want to come back up, you can. I'm going to go ahead and, and close out. But for anyone in here, as we're thinking through this and talking through this, if you are in this place and you are not a believer, if you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never made Him the Lord of your life. You've never submitted your life to Christ. If that's you in here today, I know that what we've talked about is probably just pointless. It makes no sense. It's not anything you care about, reading your Bible and praying. because you know. So if that's you, if you've never committed your life to the Lord, if you've never placed your, your trust and your hope and your faith in Christ, I want to 
point out a couple of passages to you this morning. Romans 3.23 says, We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages for that, the wages for our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. And John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so we're all sinners, but we can be freed of that sin. We can be saved through placing our faith in Jesus Christ. So if you've never done that, and you're in this place this morning, as we go into 2022, I want to encourage you that of all the things you could resolve to do this year, of all the goals you could set, placing your faith in Christ is the best thing you could ever do. It is the one thing you will do in this life that has eternal implications. So I want to encourage you in that. You have nothing to lose. If you feel Christ tugging at your heart, if you know that you're a sinner and you're broken over that sin and you, have, you don't know what to do about it, turn to Christ. Place your faith in Christ. It's only by doing that can you be forgiven. Philippians 3.8 says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And that is my hope and prayer for all of us, is that we would count the things of this world as rubbish compared to knowing Christ. That I don't even care about the earthly things in the upcoming year. I want to resolve to grow spiritually, to know God more, to grow closer to the Lord. So please commit to do that. And for believers in this place, my brothers and sisters in Christ, as Kyle mentioned last week, grace is the foundation and the fuel in our relationship with the Lord. It's not only what founds it, but it's what sustains us and keeps us going throughout our relationship with the Lord. We will not be perfect at these things. We will fail. We're going to mess up. We're going to forget to read. We're going to wax and wane in our, our excitement about these things, but our union doesn't depend on our communion. We've been saved. We've been justified. And it's because of that that we want to do these things. This is a way to learn and grow in our faith. Not because we think that following a list of things is going to save us. Our sanctification depends on it. We can't grow without these things. I'm going to read to you one more thing, and then I'm going to, I'm going to let us worship for a minute. Those resolutions from Jonathan Edwards that I read you earlier, there's a man named Dr. Tim Presson that, that made a devotional out of it. And here's what he says about those, that first and second resolution that I read you. He asks these questions. Are you growing in your knowledge of God's Word and thus walking more completely in His grace? Is it your earnest desire to know Christ more fully? Do you live as though you've been raised with Christ to a new life? Do you consistently and aggressively seek growth in your walk with the Lord? He asks those questions as he jumps into those resolutions. And I think we all need to ask ourselves those questions today. Do I earnestly seek to grow in my faith? If we are going to do this, we have to be a people known for our love for Scripture and our love for prayer. We need to be a praying people. We need to be a Bible-loving people. 
As we do this, we do so out of a desire to fellowship with God, to seek more of His presence. There is a Latin term for this. It's called quorum Deo. It is a Latin phrase that can be translated in the presence of God. It summarizes the idea of Christians living in the presence of, under the authority of, and to the honor and glory of God. So my petition to you all this morning is let's be a people, let's be a church that lives our lives, quorum Deo, seeking God's presence, seeking to glorify God in everything that we do. Let's be a people known for that. Let's seek that in our lives this year. Let's be marked by a love for the word and a love for prayer. Do you please stand as we prepare to sing?